Welcome to an inspiring message from Pastor Gillian Cameron, Senior Pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire and empower you. This morning I want to preach a message on the eve of my moment, or also called on the, the power of preparation. Because really we're heading into conference, but church, I don't know if you just caught hold of that ad that was on the church news of all the amazing uh, people of God that are going to be coming through the services that we've got. And it really is going to be an amazing, amazing time. But really, just like any time when Jesus turned up in the Bible, it could be so easy for us to just turn up at church and let those moments roll on by. But if we would come hungry and expectant and ready to receive with a prepared heart, then I believe that what God wants to plant in our lives, the seeds that he wants to sow, will enlarge our future. You know, we're obviously in a series at the moment called Future Now, but this morning I want to digress a little bit and take a moment to prepare us for the season that lies ahead. Because actually, to be in the future means you get prepared for it, and that you're ready for your moment when it comes. You know, there are moments when God is preparing to do something in our lives. There are moments in time when God has set aside just a a time where he will do something special and something significant. Look, we know that God is always with us. We know that he never leaves us, that his presence does not depart from us, that we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. But we can also see earmarked through the Bible. There were specific times and places when the Spirit of God turned up. And if the person was not ready for their moment, what would they have missed out on? But we see that some people through history have been ready for God's appearing. That some people through history were ready for that moment when the angel stirred the water, when something happened, they were ready to receive what God wanted to do in their life. And that's my prayer today, that we would become a people who are ready to receive what God wants to do. You see, we know that with God, everything can change in one moment. Healings can happen. The dead can be raised to life. Miracles can take place. You know, we've seen time and time again in our prayer and praise when we've prayed for people sick in bed, that we've had texts back the very moment, the very minute that us as a church prayed for this person in a coma in hospital, they sat up in their hospital bed. Because there are moments, there are moments when God does something special, something supernatural, something out of the ordinary, but he does respond to our faith and our expectation, and the preparedness of our hearts. So we know that God can turn up in a situation, and destinies can be taken from failure to influence. Things can be turned around. Nations are saved. We see the power of an individual to receive a touch from God, and we can see the power of a company of people who hear from God, because God will unlock destinies and dreams in a moment. I'm sure you've been in a meeting where you felt like God quickened a thought to your mind, or perhaps you had a a moment in your life where you knew that something of God altered your destiny forever. For me, my life was indelibly marked at the age of about four when I stayed the night at a vicarage, and uh, the vicar's wife looked after my sister and I, and I'll never forget being tucked up in that room. It's one of my earliest memories as a child, being tucked up in bed by her, and as she said our goodnight prayers, she prayed for my sister to the salvation prayer. But she didn't ask me if I would pray it because I was too little. (laughs) And I can remember saying in my head, I want to pray that prayer too, but I was too scared to say anything. 
But in that moment, when the presence of God was in that room with this lovely vicar's wife lady praying for my sister and I, I felt the presence of God and I knew in my heart an inner knowing from God, I'll be like that lady one day. I'll be like that lady one day. And in the midst of, you know, moments when you doubt what God has called you to do, you go back to the moments when he spoke to you. You go back to the moments when he turned up in a supernatural way in your life. And those impressions matter. Those things are not things to be discarded, but things to be held onto, things to be treasured in our hearts. You know, God wants to turn up and preparing our hearts is so important. I want to turn to Exodus chapter 19 and have a look at a time when God wanted to turn up to the people of Israel. He didn't just want to turn up for Moses. You know, sometimes we can think that the presence of God is reserved for some special people, some very holy people, maybe the people that pray more than others or fast more than others. But God has never said that his presence is reserved only for a chosen few. He wants everybody to be able to access all that he is. His heart is to turn up to everybody. But sometimes our preparedness is what limits us receiving what God wants to do. So God had spoken to Moses, and we know that Moses could speak face to face with God. We know that they had an amazing relationship, that, that Moses would receive the glory of God's presence and his face would shine with being in God's presence. But God says, you know, I want to come and meet with all the people. And that's his desire with us. But he needs for us to be prepared. Let's have a look at Exodus 19, verse 5. God says this to the people. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. I love that. We can be his treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. He wasn't saying, Moses, you are the priest. He was saying, no, all the people are to be my holy people. All of the people are to be to me a kingdom of priests. You see, as a Christian or as a believer in God, we're all called to minister to God. We're all called to serve God, to worship Him, and to be His people. Come down to verse 9 in that same chapter. So 19 verse 9, it says, The Lord said to Moses, I am going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. And Moses told the, the, the Lord what the people had said. And the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day. Because on that day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. See, God wants his appearing to be for all of us. God's longing to turn up in a dense cloud. He's longing to speak to us. He's longing to turn up to his people. But would we consecrate ourselves? See, just as Moses spoke and said to the people, tell them to get ready. Tell them to get prepared. Tell them to get their lives ready to receive something different from God, something fresh from God, something new from God. My friends, if our Christian experience is always the same, maybe we need to look at changing how we're preparing for turning up to church, how we're preparing for coming to conference. God doesn't, is never 
is always the same. He doesn't change, but he is also always doing a new thing. And he always is willing to speak because God is always speaking. He is never silent. You know, there are moments in our lives when God wants to speak into us, but would we consecrate ourselves? Would we do those hard tasks of getting our hearts and our spirits and our lives ready? And you know, it goes beyond getting our clothes ready, doesn't it? You know, I know some of us will think this is a good excuse for some extra shopping. I do. Getting our makeup prepared. You know, there's nothing worse than the morning of conference, waking up and your foundation has run out, girlfriends. Are you with me? But God wants us to go beyond our physical preparation and have a clean clean heart, have a prepared heart, have an expectation and a willingness to press in for more. Maybe for you that looks like reading your Bible every night. Maybe for you that looks like actually getting that conference app and praying that devotional declaration over your life every day. Maybe you've never taken a verse of Scripture and said it out loud over your life. Do you know the power of the spoken Word of God? Do you know the power of the spoken word? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And as we take that word and we declare it over our lives, maybe for you it would be the first time you've done something and you feel stupid doing it. But you're speaking to your spirit man and you're making it come alive. You're stirring up your holy faith. You're exercising your faith as you push in and declaring the word of God. God wants us to start to get prepared. He is planning to speak. God is planning to turn up. He is planning for his presence to be present. But what we receive from him will be partially determined by our willingness to receive it. God wants us to be prepared. You know, I I know that there have been times in my life when I have been terribly unprepared. I'll never forget when I was an altar girl in the Anglican church wearing my crimson robe And we had all these duties we had to perform. And, you know, I was about seven or eight, and there was this big cross that you would walk into the service, and you had to walk like a, you know, very special walk. And, you know, usually you were so nervous, your knees were trembling as you walked. And this cross was quite heavy for a seven-year-old girl who had no muscle tone. And so I remember my palms were getting sweaty, and the cross was slipping through my hands, and it nearly hit somebody on the head once, because, you know, it's tall and heavy, and... (laughs) pull it quite, you know, I definitely went like on a lean and back up. But I'll never forget that Sunday when there was a moment in the service where you have the communion table and as the altar girl, you would come up and you would take the matches and you would strike the match and light the candle on either side of the priest, representing the presence of God being with us. And later on in the service, the priest would take like a taper thing and he would put out the fire at a significant moment. And of course the moment came and those sweaty hands were still there. I'd been standing in front of everybody, standing on the back of the wall, and I'd been trying to wipe my sweaty palms on the crimson robe. It not, wasn't really working. So then I took the box of matches, bit of sweat in the hands, and I'm trying to light the match. So I'm standing there trying to light the match to light the candle, you know, discreetly. We're meant to be very discreet, not take away from what the priest is doing, what the Lord is saying. It's a holy moment. And of course, I can't light the match. I had not practiced striking a match before. Why would a seven-year-old girl be given a box of matches, I ask you? (laughs) Who in their right mind lets a girl practice with fire? Especially me when I like to party and that was great to have fireworks, you know. We weren't allowed to touch them at all. 
because, you know, there were stories of people losing thumbs and things like that, you know, circulating. But as I stood there, it was to no avail. I was not prepared to light the match. Okay, so what, what should I have done? Tell Gillian what she should have done in that moment. Well, to be honest, my brain froze. All I knew was I had to light the flipping candle. And I couldn't do, I didn't know what my next job was because I was on brain freeze. It was like my brain had stopped working. I was like stuck and light the candle, light the candle. I've got to light the candle. <laughs> so by this stage, there were some small titters of laughter throughout the congregation. And uh, you could see some shoulders moving up and down silent laughs, and I, I was oblivious to this, but there was definitely some movement, some movement in the auditorium. After I had been there for valiantly trying to light the match for a couple of minutes, I'll never forget the moment my hero, my father, decided enough was enough, and he came running up, jumping up. He'd never, ever publicly done anything in church before in his life. This was his moment. He came running up publicly, came leaping over, leaping, like a mountain goat, over the communion rail in front of all those conservative parishioners, leaping to his daughter's aid. He took the box of matches out of my hand, and in one fell swoop, he lit that match. My salvation, he is, there's a light in the world. There is hope restored. He lit the match, and then he helped me to light the second one. By this stage, the congregation has lost it. There are screams of laughter. I know that I have ruined the holy moment. I am mortified. I am as crimson as my robe, I tell you. I think I pleaded sick to the next few altar call girl duties. <laughs> but oh, when you're not ready. I'll never forget being asked to be the OHP girl. As a teenager by now, this was my moment to serve Jesus. I've always been willing. I've always been willing, haven't always been coordinated. So the time came, and uh, it was a rare projection OHP, so I was behind the curtain. So the beauty of that was, you know, you just kind of put it down and believe that you've got it the right way up. So there I am, happily singing, oh Jesus, you rescue me with this OHP. Yeah, I'm bopping away at the back behind the curtain, no one can see me, all is well, until my future sister-in-law, who was in charge of the OHP, comes storming behind the curtain, and I had it all on backwards. Unfortunately, I didn't ever quite get it figured out, so they never re-rostered me on the OHP. <laughs> Clearly, I needed to be prepared and have a practice for it. Again, ruining a moment in worship. There was a bit of a theme there. <laughs> but God values our preparation. God needs us to be prepared for the moments in our lives when he wants to do something. You know, I've seen what it is to be unprepared, and those were some, some funny stories, but I've actually seen what it is when I've turned up in an environment and I wasn't prepared for what God wanted to do. You know what happens if you're not prepared? It means that the burden on you is so much greater than it should be, because you haven't got the depth that you need to take something through and see it through to completion. God wants us ready and able to do what he wants us to do. You know, our preparedness will determine what we receive. And our preparation reveals our dedication to him. I want to turn now to Matthew chapter 25, one of my most challenging passages of scripture that I read a lot. And I want to read it to you and share this with you. Matthew 25 and verse 1. It says this about the ten virgins. It's talking about the kingdom of God 
and what it's coming and what it's appearing will be like. But I believe it's also referring to the fact that we need to be ready for what Jesus wants to do. It says in verse 1, At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil and jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. See, this is a, a strange passage of Scripture, because you look at this, and on the first read, you think, gosh, five of those virgins were very unchristian. Where's their Christian charity? Where's their spirit of generosity? Why are they hogging all the oil? Why won't they share what they've got? That's not very Christian. And yet, they're the ones that get to go in with Jesus. This parable, on one, on one hand, doesn't make sense if we look at it with the understanding of a natural perspective. But Jesus taught this parable and he taught it as a story to make a point very clear. The oil in the lamps is representative of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Lord. It's representative of a searching heart and a desire to make sure that there's always God with them, that they always have the presence of God with them, that the lamp of the Lord in their life does not burn out. And you see, the time comes when actually those the five wise virgins have gone and bought the oil. They have prepared their hearts. They have consecrated their lives. They've made a sacrifice to be ready. They've made a sacrifice of cost, of preparation, of time, and of pursuit of their heart to be ready for their Savior to turn up. And five had not. But the point that Jesus is making here is that nobody can pay the price for you. Nobody can pay the price for you to be ready for Jesus. We are the only ones that can prepare our hearts for his appearing. We are the only ones that can purchase this for ourselves. We are the only ones who can seek out and desire his presence for ourselves. Nobody else can pay that price to be consecrated. Nobody else can lay your life upon the altar. Nobody else can get ready, my friends, it's up to us. And Jesus wanted to make it very clear that somebody else's faith was not good enough. 
We can't rely on somebody else's faith and expectation. We have to come with our own. We have to come with a seeking heart, believing God, expanding our faith, and that we would be ready to enter in. You know, in this room, I would hope and I pray that for all of us, we would be prepared. We would be willing to go and make sure that we have enough oil, that we would be ready, that we would have a consecrated heart. What does consecrated mean? It means set apart for God. It means sin is forgotten. We're not, we're not living to please ourselves. We've got a new master and his name is Jesus Christ and we're living to please him. So we're doing things that please him. We're seeking out his holiness. Maybe that means that we don't watch some things. We don't choose to do some things. We give up some activities. But perhaps it also means a life of great freedom and a life of great peace. Because there is something about living right before God and paying a price of consecration that as a Christian believer, you know the great joy in, of life. You know, the world can promise happiness and pleasure, but only Jesus gives us joy. A joy that does not fade, that does not wear out. A joy that remains no matter what comes our way. So those people, the five virgins decide to get ready. God values our preparation. I want to look at some characteristics of different people in the Bible who were ready for their moment when it came. Let's have a look at what would be the characteristics of a person who's hungry, of a person who's saying, God, if you were to turn up at conference, I want to receive what you've got for me. God, over this next season in church, I, I want to be ready to hear from you. God, in my life, when I'm leading the life group, I want to be ready to go as a leader. I want to be able to bring words of, you know, that, into people's lives that are going to help them that are going to move them forward. The first thing is a hunger for God or a desire for change. You see, I truly believe in all my years so far <laughs> of praying with people that the people that get their miracle, the people that God gives them their answer are the people that desire it. Sometimes people say with lip service, I would really like to change, but they don't actually mean it. But the people that say, I really desire to change, I really desire for God to be in my life, you see the fruit of change begin to happen, the ripples of change that spread over their life as change and breakthrough happens. You know, I might have mentioned before, but I remember at the age of 17, I made a decision, God, I've given you my life, so I don't want there to be anything in me that would stop me from being completely able to be used by you. So what did I do? I embarked on reading a whole series of books all about inner healing, wholeness, you know, discovering who you are in God, things that I needed to read. I also embarked on some personal prayer ministry with two ladies who prayed for me for six weeks. But it was a decision that I knew that God was going to use me in my life. And so I wanted to be a perfect vessel as much as one can be, yeah? But Walk through the forgiveness, walk through the offenses, walk through the rejections, walk through the issues, and be made whole. Be made whole. Do you desire it? It's possible, because all things are possible for him who believes. Our past is not the dictator of our future. Our past is not the summation of who we are. The things that people have said, the things that have happened to us, if we would let them go and see the God of our future then God can change us if we want to be changed. The second characteristic is people are focused and determined. Are you focused? Do you know what God has for you? Are you determined to pursue him with your life? Blind Bartimaeus was a man who knew he needed a miracle. 
And he was so focused on receiving what he needed from Jesus that when people in his life told him to step aside, they told him to be quiet, they told him to leave Jesus alone, you're just getting in Jesus' way, stop it, because he was calling out, Jesus, have mercy on me. We've done some dramas with him, with Mark acting as blind Bartimaeus. I'll never forget that. He did a great job. But, you know, he began to shout. And when they told him to be quiet, the Bible says he shouted all the more. And the Bible says that Jesus stopped. His persistence, his focus stopped Jesus in his tracks. And he received his sight. See, are we willing to be persistent, focused, determined? Are we, are we open to the fact that we might have to just push through a little bit to receive from God what we're believing for? I've talked about consecration. Obviously, we see this in the life of Mary. The fourth thing is a servant heart. We see this in the life of Rebecca. She was ready for God to do something in her life, and she showed it in her servant heart. The man comes with a whole lot of camels, and she doesn't just offer the man water. She feeds all the camels water. That was a big job. It would have been time-consuming. She showed that she had a servant heart, and God put his hand on her life, and she became part of the lineage of something amazing, married to Isaac. Holding faith. All these people were having faith when their moment came. You know, Luke one thirty seven says, For nothing is impossible for God. God wants to speak into our moments and bring transformation. You know, I was reminded of this holding faith just recently in a board meeting that we had the other day when we're looking at some aspects of what we're doing with the Hutt campus. And it came to me that I had had something in my head for 12 years. Because you see, when John and I moved to Wellington, we had caught a taxi from Wellington City out to Lower Hutt Mall because where do you go shopping on a wet day? You go to the mall. And in the taxi ride, John had told me all about the fact that he thought we were going to do this and where we would buy land and what we were going to do and what we were going to build. And I relayed in the board meeting just the other day this memory of what John had said. But you see, I'd always, since that moment, because when John spe speaks it, I tend to believe it, I'd always had faith that that's what would happen. So sometimes these things can look like they're out of the blue, but actually we've been holding faith all along. It's no accident that the Batoni land came up. It's no accident that people that are volunteering their time to be part of this project. It's not by chance. It's God's design. It's God's orchestration that from the beginning of when this church was started, there's a seed of faith of what would be. And in our lives, what are we holding faith that right now would take us into the future of what God has? See, sometimes we can get caught up in the now but the, the journey might be 10 years off of where God wants to take you and what he wants to do with your life. Think about the man at the pool of Bethsaida who waited 38 years to get healed. His moment took a long time to come. His moment took a long time, but he waited and he had faith and he had patience. And then did you know he nearly missed his moment? Because when Jesus came, he was so used to waiting that Jesus had to stir up his faith. He had to say to the man, do you want to get well? Do you, do you want this? You've been waiting so long. Is your faith still there? And he says, yes, I want to get well. And this man received his healing. I want to say is the third thing this morning is don't miss the moment. Don't miss the moment. I want you to turn to Luke. In Luke chapter 2, we see these shepherds. 
just lowly shepherds out in the fields, and they have an encounter in the fields with angels. Angels turn up, and these shepherds are there. They're ordinary men. They're not scholars of religion. They're not great theologians, just ordinary people like you and I. And these shepherds turn up, and they say to them that there's been a Savior born. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. You see, this is an amazing moment because these shepherds hear from the angels, but they could have dismissed it. They could have just dismissed this glorious visitation. They could have thought, oh, maybe we had too much goat's cheese last night. Maybe we shouldn't have stayed up having all that goat's milk, you know. We've uh, just had too good a time last night. This is like weird. They are not dismissive of what God says to them. Nor do they take it at face value. When they turn up and see a baby, they don't just see a baby. They see that this is the Messiah. See, I'm sure that, you know, people will come and say, oh, that conference, it's all hype. Oh, Arise Church, it's all hype. Well, hello. Wouldn't you like to have a little bit of hype in life? I'd rather get hyped up about Jesus than hyped up about Christmas in the park or something strange, you know, or American Idol. <laughs> I mean, seriously, people who can't sing well, it's just funny, you know, but let's get hyped up about that and, oh, my heart's going to break that I can't be in it anymore, you know? Hyped up about dumb things or hyped up about what really matters. I want to get hyped up about what really matters. And those angels got hyped up about something that really mattered, which was the Savior of the world being born. They had their moment to go and visit the baby at his moment of appearing. And they could have missed the moment. They could have said, ah, oh, nah, it's just a baby, just a baby. You see, for all of us in this room, any time when God is, in, God is present, it's not just something to forget about or be dismissive of. It's something to take heart into our hearts. It's something to ponder. It's something to value and treasure. They realized that they had to hurry, and they made sure they did not miss their moment. You know, in life, we have to be careful not to miss our moment. Would any bride in this room have missed their wedding day? I was so eager to marry John, the man of my dreams, my ginger. My ruddy David boy, you know, just like David in the Bible, so spiritual. <laughs> I was head over heels as I still am, thought he was just amazing. And so I was so early to the church. I did exactly what my pastor said not to do, which was he said, don't be early because, you know, everyone arrives late. Well, you lot are good. <laughs> But most people turn up, turn up a tad bit late. They've underestimated their car parking problems. And I turned up so early that my car driver had to do block, laps around the block. So there I am, being driven around, the veil on, the dress, 
sitting in the back of the car with my dad, and I'm like, he's like, oh, a bit early. So we do laps around the block. <laughs> I can see all the people coming to my wedding. Because <laughs> I was going to be on time. I was not going to miss my moment. But, you know, in our lives, Christ is the bridegroom, and we are the bride. Let's not miss our moment. Let's not miss the moment of his appearing. You know, it's always a privilege when he appears. You know, you can make the moment count. You can make the moment count. I want to give us some quick keys of how. We see that in the, in the moment, we should do some things. We should ask God questions. If God turns up in your life, I always think, hmm, I've always got something I'm wanting to ask God. There's always a question in my mind. Maybe it's a question about a scripture that I'm trying to get my head around. Maybe it's a question about direction. Maybe it's a question about a person. Maybe it's a question about my children. But whatever it is, there should be a time in our hearts where we say, God, I need an answer to this question. And when God turns up, ask God your questions. I'll never forget standing at the back of this auditorium quite a few years ago now, and John had asked me to start up um, the women's conference. And I was standing at the back saying, God, you know, John's asked me to do this, but I don't know what you want it to look like. I, I don't know what you want it to be. I don't know what you want it to do. Like, what's it for, God? You know, so the presence of God was in the room at the 5 p.m. service. It was just beautiful. And I'm starting to ask my questions. So then God speaks to me, says, I want you to call it passionate because that's who you are. He says, I want you to fan the flame in women's lives. I want you to stir up their faith in God. And so our first conference was called Fan the Flame. But it's the hallmark of what we do with that conference. But are there questions about your life? Are there questions about your future direction? About where you're headed in your business? Believe that in that atmosphere of revelation, God reveals things. Because Christ has got a spirit of wisdom and revelation. And he's willing to speak to us. In the moment, we should receive what we are believing for in faith. In the moment, we should ask God for more. We should ask God for favor, grace, wisdom, understanding, capacity, and fruitfulness. In the moment, we should be encouraged by the Holy Spirit. And in the moment, we should minister to the Lord. Because remember, He is after us for being a kingdom of priests that would minister to Him. But you know, all these people were prayerful. They were ready. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were, they were determined, they were focused, and they did not let their moment pass them by. You know, church, we had a moment like this a few years ago, a moment that defined some of our you know, values as a church, and that was when there was an earthquake in Christchurch. And on the news, the news was saying, don't send food to Christchurch, you know, don't send food because there's, there's plenty there, we don't want the city overwhelmed with supplies. But one person in our church, God spoke to her in that moment and said, we need to respond. Right now, we need to respond. And I remember getting a phone call from Amanda Simkin, and she rang me up and she said, you know, I know that the news is saying we shouldn't do something, but I really feel in my heart that God's saying we need to respond. We need to strike while the iron's hot. We need to, you know, rally the church. And John and I talked to John, and we both agreed that that was God, that that was right, that the church should act. That we don't, you know, live by the natural, but we live by the supernatural. And we had the same agreement and the same unction that, yes, this was our moment. So the church rallied. What a generous church. What an amazing giving church we're part of. 
And, you know, we brought so many supplies. I think there were three containers and truckloads, and I forget how much we sent. But we ended up amassing so much resource and sending it to Christchurch because we were ready in the moment. We were ready. And you know what happened? We were the only people ready with supplies in Christchurch. There were no supplies in Christchurch. So we ended up supplying the Red Cross, the Salvation Army, and having our own depot where we were giving out food parcels. We were driving them around because in poorer areas of Christchurch where the ground was so broken up, you couldn't get out of your house unless you had a four-wheel drive. So our Christchurch team were literally knocking on doors and giving people a week's boxed-up supply of food and water and you know, sanitary things so they could clean their hands because there was no running water. But in a moment, are we ready? Will we respond? Will we act? Will we push in? Let's rise and stir our faith. Let's go and buy some oil. Let's begin to declare things over our lives. God wants us to be ready. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and Gillian Cameron, go to arisechurch.org.nz or follow them on Twitter at Gillian Cameron and at Arise Church.